0: Welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to your learning. We hope that you are doing well. Uh, We are your hosts. I am Yvonne Brandenburg, and I am joined by Jordan Porter, the delightful, dedicated, and devious Jordan
1: Porter. Ooh, Ooh, That last one made me.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I like it. I was like, what letter do I go with? And this is literally where my brain went. I was like, D for dog.
1: (laughs) Jordan likes dogs. I'm the dog person.
0: Oh, can I put that as one of yours? The dog person. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Nothing against cats. I mean, I guess something against cats. I do hold a slight grudge.
0: I mean, you're allergic to them. So that makes you predisposed to not feeling warm and squishy
1: about them. And it's their fault that I'm allergic to them. I mean, it's one cat's fault. It's not every <laughs> cat's fault. It's them as a whole. <laughs> it's them as a whole. Nice. One- <laughs> way, to
0: be, way to be
1: speciest. It's not yeah. even breedist. It's speciest. <laughs> one cat made it so I can't love on all the cats. <sighs> That'd be really sad. Okay. Rub it in. I'm just saying. I know we had a super dandruffy cat in the other day and it was a super sweet cat. And I love the lady. Like I love the lady and I want to love her cats. I do. But then this cat was super like dandruffy and flaky. And the last time I held a cat that was super dandruffy and flaky, I went to the hospital and Ooh. so my office manager was like, can you not? And I was like, okay. <laughs> you put on like a hazmat
0: suit. Yeah. You're like, you're like I have an N95 and a hazmat suit to touch your cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. Aw so sad
1: <laughs> no and it's like it sucks too because I'm like more allergic to the exotic like super pretty ones like the ones that I really want to cuddle oh like the ones nice. with like squished faces and like like British
0: short hairs and
1: yeah just anything that ends in ease like <laughs> it's just nice. you're like
0: yay <laughs> yeah oh man that's hilarious
1: uh yeah. Ooh, how's your week been
0: it it's been busy um I just worked the whole week and it was crazy because we have a doctor like who's out at the moment so it's been one doctor days and oh my god we had so many like inpatients and everything and Thursday I was like I'm gonna quit (laughs) (laughs) I was like that's it (laughs) I'm out um, but and then yesterday was it was like a it was weird because it was Friday so we were expecting it to be crazy yeah and it wasn't so we were just mm. kind of waiting for like the shoe to drop you know we're like it's Friday what foreign bodies coming in when <laughs> right but you know it didn't come in before I left although there was a rumor that maybe there was like a rock foreign body that was maybe coming in and I was like well I'm already gone I'm on vacation for the weekend
1: yeah we've <sighs> seen a lot of like esophageal foreign bodies lately and they're all treats and they all suck and Uh, oh, like, I, like...
0: I know we just had one I don't know two three weeks ago or something like that and uh depending on the treat I mean ugh. all right internal medicine peeps that know what we're talking about the stupid like jerky treats or the mm. compressed treats that you touch them and they just like flake off mm-hmm. and you're like great we um uh, we joked the other day because um we just couldn't grab it we just had mm-hmm. to like chunk it and we're like <laughs> it's like armageddon you know where mm-hmm. you just dig deeper to get to the core of the asteroid that is the esophageal form body
1: yeah that's so what we, ours was because ours was like a dental chew thing yeah. but it was like super hard but yet it kept breaking apart and then we couldn't see yep. anything because of all the little pieces that broke Ugh. apart and like I'm actually pretty impressed we haven't heard back from this dog because I thought for sure there's no way this dog is not getting a stricture. like it was so raw it it had been in there since Saturday and we scoped Ugh. it on Tuesday Oh And it was just like a sucker was big. It took us two and a half hours.
0: Yeah. Ours was, uh, I think it was like an hour and a half. Yeah. And it was, I mean, it was little, but it was also a little dog. Like that was a a little dog. (laughs) (laughs) Ours was like a little Maltese white thing. Like she weighed like seven K. No, I think it was seven pounds. I think she. Oh uh, no! I think she was like ten pounds. She was so tiny. Yeah. Um, and the stupid chew chicken rawhide compress it wasn't rawhide. It was like a compressed chew. Yeah.
1: The worst one I've ever done was it was a pig foot. Ew. But like legit raw pig foot. Not even like. <laughs> and nope. it took it took four and a half hours.
0: That's horrible. It dude. was just
1: dude. It was lodged, and it was like because it was a raw pig foot it was like whatever mm. tissue you grabbed onto because it was tissue like it was it was disgusting it would like just tear and then finally I ended up getting a hold of it and oh my god it was awful Ugh, that's gross yeah it was really bad it smelled so bad
0: yeah I've had a raw like did dude somebody gave them a raw like vertebrae bone and of course that thing got lodged it was yeah. that was also horrible I think that dog ended up having a perf and having to go to surgery but oh ugh. esophageal foreign bodies ugh. yeah and you know what made this one even grosser there was a human toenail that we pulled out and I was like oh my god I can't handle it <laughs> yuck dogs are so that, gross I was like, what is that and I was like oh 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 I was like nope I'm out yeah it was so gross all right let's get off let's get off this topic (laughs) we just just lost half half the audience because they thought that they were coming in for hypothyroidism and we just like throw some (laughs) esophageal foreign bodies in the mix
1: well that and when you start talking about human stuff like i'm out like i'm just so gross (laughs) so gross all (sighs) right anyway moving on this week (laughs) we actually are discussing the underactive thyroid. Last week, last week we talked about the overactive thyroid. This week's episode is, um, of course, race approved for one CE hour. You can go to the internal medicine for vettex membership.com podcast course and complete the quiz there to get your certificate. If you are a member, if you are not a member, you can definitely use this as self-study in most places. So, anyway, this week we are talking canine hypothyroidism. We're talking canine hypothyroidism because of, you know, just like last week's episode, hypothyroidism (laughs) is pretty rare in cats.
0: Yep. Unless, uh, it is, uh, iatrogenic. So Mm -hmm. we've over supplemented them. Most cats are not going to come in hypothyroid on their own. It's just not really a thing for them, which is good. So can you
1: imagine how many more fat cats in the world there'd be?
0: (gasps) I wonder if some of our fat
1: cats are
0: hypothyroid. Although I think they
1: get tested and they're not, but I feel like too many fat cats are like, <laughs> there's just too many fat cats for them to be all hypothyroid. Right.
0: Oh, we had three cats in one day come into my clinic that were nine like six and above Kigs. They yeah. were th- this week. It was just in one day, actually, it was just in one day. And I was like, whoa, like, yeah, you can't hold on to them because they're just little butter balls at that point. And you're just like, how do I hold on to you? But they can't move very well. So, you know, ultrasounding is kind of easy because you just kind of, yeah, kind of squish them. Yeah. Cause they just roll on their back <laughs> and then they're, then they're just like a table.
1: Yeah. I do love fat uh, cats. Anyway, we're talking about dogs this week though. And then, <laughs> and then, and
0: then the fat dogs that are hypothyroid.
1: Also yeah. Sweet. The little Ottomans like, Oh uh-huh. man. But they're not as cute as fat cats because they usually have hair loss and all the other stuff that goes along with it.
0: Yes, which we will talk about in a minute because there are some very uh, telltale signs. Vague slash classic. Like I know that sounds strange, but you know,
1: I get what you're putting down. All right, good. So the definition of canine hypothyroidism is inadequate production of thyroid hormones. Unlike last week, again, we talked about overproduction of thyroid hormones. Um, this one is inadequate production. So if you listen back though, to episode 56, you're going to understand what the thyroid gland does. And then this week I'm just throwing in a couple extra functions to talk about, um, Just to kind of cover all grounds here so (laughs) the thyroid gland though only serves endocrine function which is pretty interesting because a lot of the glands do other things yep um thyroid gland is a ductless gland and they secrete t4 and t3 like we talked about last week and they're two tyrosins that are linked together with iodine again we talked about it last week So thyroid hormone also affects other body functions, such as metabolism of things like proteins, carbs, and lipids. We talked about cell metabolism a little bit last week, but it, like I said, also works with the metabolism of proteins, carbs, and lipids that patients get in their diets. So it, it helps to encourage the body to synthesize proteins within an animal's diet. And then the effect on carbs, it actually helps, or it metabolizes carbohydrates And has like a hyperglycemic effect. So I think we talked about it in the diabetic episode, probably.
0: Probably, yeah.
1: Where carbs get metabolized to help produce, you know, insulin and and sugar and blood sugar. So thyroid actually also plays a role in kind of help maintaining blood glucose levels as well. Mm. Which I think gets overlooked frequently.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and um, yeah. it's weird because i think there's a lot of just the metabolism aspects of of low thyroid hormone that i think a lot of people forget it's 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 one of those endocrines that will it kill you to not treat for hypothyroid probably not but you know quality of life is going to go down because there's so many Mm -hmm. other things that are affected um and 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 it's, it's subtle stuff too. It's not the Mm -hmm. stuff that's super obvious. So I think people don't realize how much it really kind of interacts with, with so many things in the body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thyroid definitely plays like a, it's like a discreet, but important homeostasis role. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like that friend who like is good at everything and likes to make sure that you don't fail, but doesn't want to take a ton of credit for it oh like you know it's like Aww. thyroid's just in the background like no no no. <laughs> <laughs> like we're gonna do this but it's the ultimate team player is what you're yeah saying. <laughs> da, 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 da. good old thyroid
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he's the robin to the batman
1: yeah exactly <laughs> <There you go. laughs> All right. So with canine hypothyroidism, there's an inadequate production of our T3 and T4. Um it is most common form in like as like a primary disease, so primary hypothyroidism is more common than secondary hypothyroidism. Primary primary hypothyroidism can actually result from two different mechanisms. So the thyroid gland becomes destroyed but either from like an immune-mediated process or just idiopathic atrophy. So the immune mediated process is like a lymphocytic thyroiditis. So this results from like normal thyroid tissue being destroyed and replaced with like the fibrous connective tissue. So Mm. our thyroid gland is still getting destroyed and it's getting replaced. So that's why like in cats, we see like an enlargement of the thyroid gland. Um, But in dogs, we don't really see anything. We don't Mm. see any physical changes to the thyroid itself. Um, the idiopathic version though, is like thyroid tissue atrophies, but then it's also replaced with adipose tissue. So even though it's atrophying and it's, it should in theory be shrinking, it's being replaced with adipose tissue.
0: So you're going to have a fatty
1: <laughs> thyroid. That's yeah.
0: So sad <laughs> get Fat everywhere.
1: And then secondary canine hyperthyroidism is Pretty rare, but it can be caused by like neoplasia or pituitary malformation. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. hmm So our history, I mean, a lot of people probably understand what the history and like species and breed predispos- predispositions are, mm-hmm. but it's common in canines, rare in felines, it can actually affect any age. But of course, we more commonly see it in the middle age to older dogs. Yeah. Common breeds are so many. Like all of them. <laughs> All, all the breeds. <laughs> um, golden Retrievers, Irish Setters, Great Danes, Dobermans, Airedales, Dachshunds, Mini Schnauzers, Cocker Spaniels, Boxers. Um, there's no sex predisposition, but it does appear to be more commonly noted in like altered male and females, hmm. Um, so spayed or neutered patients. But I wonder or if that's t- just because <laughs> more patients are spayed and neutered. I was like,
0: is it a sample size problem? is? <laughs>
1: I don't know interesting hmm. yeah so um most common symptoms though tend to be weight gain lethargy and alopecia those are like our the classic the things. classic like things that clients complain about is that yeah. my dog lays around all day he's losing his hair but he's just getting fat he's not really eating anymore he's just laying around getting fat <laughs>
0: I, it, I just have to say this cause I can totally relate cause I am hypothyroid. So like, yep, <laughs> I get lethargic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, and I think the other thing, so we've, we've touched on it. There is a giant laundry list of things that can be affected by this. So are you guys ready for this? It <laughs> this makes it a-
1: so like kind of annoying just because like if a patient is exhibiting any other issues then like your thyroid testing is just like, well, can't do that right now. <laughs> like Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and cause we talked about it. Did we talk about it in last episode where we, we did a, about the, a the little bit thyroid six mm-hmm. or sick not sinus. Dang it. I keep wanting to say sick sinus syndrome. That's cardiac
1: yes. you sick. Six. <laughs> just like, or non-thyroidal there. illness.
0: Yes. <laughs> Um, cause, cause stress on the body can affect thyroid hormones. Um, so that's, that's the hard thing. So if a patient is technically sick or the body is stressed, testing them for their thyroid isn't as accurate and you're going to have to retest. But the problem is there's so many things that being hypothyroid can affect, that it's like, well, are they sick or are they hypothyroid? And it's like, you kind of have to play this game of like, do we retest or do we try treating and see if
1: things mm-hmm. get better?
0: But first, yeah, one-
1: yeah. Hypothyroid can, <laughs> yeah. The laundry list of the effects on many different body systems.
0: So obviously the biggest one is because it is due to, or because it regulates metabolism, right? the biggest things that we're going to see is metabolic changes. So lethargy, right. They're, they're super sluggish, you know, they, and and it's hard because people will just be like, well, he's getting older. Right. And you're like, Mm -hmm. well, not necessarily, (laughs) um, mental dullness. So they aren't, (laughs) they're just a little bit derpier (laughs) if that makes sense. Um, they're inactive, they have weight gain and they also have cold intolerance, um, so, so they may want to lay under the blankets more than than previously, or they snuggle up to you more, right? So those are all kind of things that we might see with metabolic changes. Then the biggest one that I think people forget about is the dermatologic changes. So you can get endocrine alopecia. So you get the thinning hair. Um, this can be symmetrical, it can be asymmetrical. You could have just like on the flanks. You can have that rat rat tail look. Um, I know rat tail, like my, my doctor goes, check the thyroid. Like that's the first thing that she does. She's like, rat mm-hmm. tail, thyroid.
1: Um, you tried to go super Southern when you said rat tail at first. Rat tail, <laughs> <rat> tail.
0: <laughs> I did. And I was like, I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> um, they have like that dry, brittle hair coat. You can get hyperpigmentation. So clients may actually tell you, Hey, I'm noticing on their belly they're getting that darker skin. It used to be a nice and like pink or pale color. And now they're getting that, that blacker pigment that's coming up. Um, and then you can get seborrhea, pyoderma, ot- otitis externa, and myxedema. So there's a lot of, um, a lot of just like dermatologic changes that can be seen. Um, and it's, it's good to check the thyroid if you notice those things, like if they're chronically getting like skin infections or, you know, they, their skin just looks different. Their hair coats changed. Check a thyroid.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I think this is one we don't really talk about much because most of our animals are spayed and neutered, but they can have reproductive changes so they can have a uh, prolonged partition. We can have low birth weight puppies. Uh, we can have female infertility or, uh, inappropriate galacteria or gynecomastia. I can't say that fast.
1: <laughs> that was a good one.
0: I know, right? <laughs> um, so we don't, again, we don't see this typically, but if you have like a breeding dog, uh, this this may be part of it. Um, and again, it. I'm sure partially because of stress on the body, Mm -hmm. Um, you don't necessarily realize that they're hypothyroid
1: because
0: babies are stressful. Let's be real.
1: (laughs) Well, I know too that like, okay, now I'm going over to human medicine because my sister-in-law also has a thyroid problem and she had a problem getting pregnant because of a hypothyroid. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just puts you like a little bit more high risk. Um, So yeah, I mean, thyroid affects a lot of things that people I don't think realize. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah very much so. Uh, neuromuscular. So I know my neurologist will sometimes check for thyroid if it hasn't been done because you can get polyneuropathy or myopathies. Um, you can get vestibular signs, which is kind of crazy. I don't even know how that works, but apparently you can get it from being hypothyroid.
1: See, I feel like that's pretty classic. Vestibular. I remember, yeah, I remember in GP, anytime we had like a vestibular dog, we would check thyroid. Well, Really? Mm-hmm. Huh.
0: I don't think I've ever put the two together.
1: Mm. Interesting. Anyways, I know. We learn something, something new literally it. every time. I know,
0: right? <laughs> um, facial or trigeminal nerve paralysis. You can get seizures, disorientation and circling, myxedema coma, laryngeal paralysis. Like, these are all, cl- like, I think of these and they're classically labs. <laughs> yes exactly. labs <laughs>
1: which labs weren't even on the list for they weren't no this is an outdated list <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna make an executive decision to throw labs, labs on, the, be on, <laughs> on there the list.
0: <laughs> yeah poor labs they do get a lot of stuff
1: they they do and then also our thyroid patients can have ocular changes so they can have like corneal lipid deposits um kcs is pretty common which is dry eye and then ulceration, they can be more susceptible to getting corneal ulcers, especially if they have dry eye. So crazy. Cause I think of cocker spaniels and they're not I know, me on too. The list. <laughs> yes. And then they can have cardiovascular changes as well. So they can have bradycardia, which is a decreased heart rate and cardiac arrhythmias versus our hyperthyroid patients had mm-hmm. uh, tachycardia. So again, it's metabolism. Mm-hmm. They can have uh, gastrointestinal changes like esophageal hypomotility. So their esophagus motility slows down. Everything slows down, basically. They can have diarrhea or constipation because, again, slowing down of things. And then they can have some hematologic changes like anemia and hyperlipidemia. Um, So crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then obtaining a thorough, like a really thorough drug history is critical for these patients, just because some drug therapies can also alter thyroid function and it can alter your thyroid result testing as well. Mm -hmm. So some of these medications include glucocorticoids, phenobarbital, furosemide, some EDZs, not all of them. um, Clomopramine and sulfa antibiotics can alter our thyroid function.
0: That's so crazy. Like, So there is, it's interesting because when we're talking about all these history changes and like all the stuff, there there is a school of thought out there um, that you should treat with thyroid medication if you see these changes, even if the blood work doesn't support it, which... (sighs) Which can be a problem, right? Because then all of a sudden mm-hmm. we have these iatrogenic, like hyperthyroid animals, which can also be an issue. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's weird because, you know, how do you, how do you know if it's just because of stress on the body that they're kind of hypothyroid versus it's true hypothyroid and, and where do you, do you treat? So it's, yeah. I think it's one of those things where, because it is a hormone, just like any other hormone, you know, it may be that I think people put, not people, I think some doctors put patients on it and then just mm-hmm. like set it and forget it. And you, you, you can't really do that,
1: unfortunately. No. And and we'll talk about that a little bit more about like what the protocol should be when yeah. starting therapies. But yeah, definitely hypothyroid isn't as benign as It seems like it should be.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that, I mean, that is a a really good point is I think people like we, like even me, like, I think, oh, it's not that big of a deal, but there's so many things that it affects. Like Mm -hmm. it, it probably is a bigger deal than we make it out to be. And I mean, if my dog's
1: going to have any endocrine disease, I feel like hypothyroid is definitely the
0: easiest. <laughs> <laughs> it is the easiest and probably the least, um, terminal. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So, but again, hypothyroidism can actually be masked due to non-thyroidal illness or euthyroid six syndrome. Um, so they, these patients can have underlying underlying other diseases that can mask our true hypothyroidism and it might really just be concurrent, but then you don't diagnose the hypothyroidism until later, which is fine. But, um, renal disease can affect these patients. Severe infections can definitely mask hypothyroidism. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can also get severe infections just from being hypothyroid, especially like skin infections and stuff. Yep. Hepatic disease, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, or DKA. Cause again, we already talked about how hypo or the thyroid helps metabolize and produce glucose. Um, so this can definitely be altered from hypothyroidism and it's thought to be due to like the body trying to conserve like cellular metabolism and conserve energy while the body fights off other ailments. So Mm. like you're not going to get that false or that, that low number when you're testing, because they're trying to battle other things, or if they are battling other things and not actually hypothyroid, then you'll get like a low number because their body is still not—it's it, still trying to conserve that cell energy and cell metabolism, so the thyroid's functioning at a lower level.
0: Yeah, so crazy, right? Some of the diagnostics that we talk about, I and mean, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we talk about these every time, but you know, we're internal medicine. So this happens. Uh, So we have our CBC. So normal, you know, we'll see like this mild normocytic regenerative or non regenerative anemia. Um, So we'll kind of look at the cells and we can see, you know, we it's, there's less red blood cells, but they look normal. Like the body's Mm -hmm. not trying to like make new cells.
1: Yeah. Um, The body's not like, holy crap, we got to replace these. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like it's, it's not overstimulated whatsoever.
0: Exactly. Um, and because of that too, um, you know, our bone marrow is a little bit decreased. So we also have mild leukocytosis, um, which is kind of interesting.
1: The body's just like slowing down. It's just conserving. Like it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, trying not to
0: slower metabolism, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? Slower metabolism slows everything down. Mm -hmm. Um, and then because, because the thyroid helps with carbs and, and, you know, metabolizing things, you know, we'll see these patients have high triglycerides or high cholesterol Mm -hmm. um, because it's not breaking down appropriately. Yeah. Um, So again, I think of Schnauzer's right? <laughs> ah, the schnauzer blood that comes in, you know, you spin it and it just and looks, like it milk. looks like milk.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh God. So gross. I saw, I spun down some urine the other day and there was like a lipid layer on it. And Cause it was just, urine? yeah, that's a thing. I didn't realize it was until I spun it down. And then I was like, it's literally, and then I spun down its blood too. And I was like, yeah, it's super. So we sent off triglycerides and stuff. I was like, the amount of fat in this urine, like that I'm getting on, like, it was like literally a lipid layer.
0: Uh, My mind is blown right now.
1: I I didn't think that was a thing. Yeah. It was crazy. Cause you can see like that. Okay. Well, I guess we'll talk. So we do urinalysis sometimes in these patients and sometimes you can see like fat droplets and protein in the urine but yeah, that was like excessive because it was literally I don't think a lipid I've layer.
0: I've ever seen lipid droplets in urine.
1: Oh really? Have I? I feel like it, well, you don't look as urine as much. You don't guess, look at urine as much as I do.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely don't. I guess like because you're talking like microscopically, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, okay.
0: Yes, I think I have. It's just been it's been a long time, obviously. <laughs> Um, but I've definitely not, never seen a lipid layer. Ever.
1: I've never seen a lipid layer. I've definitely seen like lipid, like droplets in the yeah. urine, huh? but I've never seen like a true, like when I spun down urine, like just a fatty milky layer on top. <laughs> like,
0: it'd be interesting to find out what that patient's, um, I'll have to, I'll
1: have to go back and on. see. Yeah. I'll have to go back and see exactly who that was. Cause I can't really remember, but
0: What? You can't remember every single patient you've seen?
1: (laughs) You think I would remember something like that though. I remember doing the thing. I just don't remember the patient. (laughs) Right.
0: That's how I am. I know. I love it when, when like our ER staff comes over and they're like, your patient, the one with like the IMHA. And I'm like, excuse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I have a lot of those patients. Which one are you referring to? I used to have this receptionist
1: who would like, I would be, I would just start listing things that I remember about the patient. And it would be random things too. Like you remember that dog that had the, the weird thing, and she she would just name it right off the bat and tell me who the client wasn't. Like I was like, wow, yeah, I needed her. I need her back in my life because I'm just <laughs> like she would remember all the things, and I would always be like, who is that one patient that we saw that had like the weird like blood in the urine, and she's like, oh yeah yeah so and so, and I'm like, yes.
0: Yeah, I no, I, you. I definitely need someone like that. Cause I can't remember patients from yesterday. Dude, me either.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> no.
0: sometimes, I sometimes can't remember patient's name when I go to get them.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. I'm I've like, done that oh, too.
0: Who's, who am I supposed to be getting right now? Uh, so bad.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
0: <laughs> But T four testing, <laughs> yes,
1: T four testing. Because yes, generally the urinalysis is normal, other than maybe seeing some lipid drops or some protein in the urine. Um, but it's never normally enough to like warrant doing like UPC unless we have other abnormalities that we need to right look at. Look <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but T four testing, it's it's sensitive because of all the other things that we talked about that can affect our thyroid function. Unless but it's, it's not the total T four. Yes. Our total T4 level. So it's sensitive, but it's not specific. It's not specific for thyroid disease because of our euthroid six syndrome that we can get. So again, it can be low when we're battling things like DKA or cardiovascular disease or renal disease. Um, But it'd be a false low. So it'd be because the body is slowing down, trying to focus on fixing these other problems, our thyroid levels are going to be falsely low because of just decreased cell metabolism and trying to conserve that energy. Generally, when we do have a hypothyroid patient, our, our total T4 level is going to be low. Running a free T4 by equilibrium dia- dialysis is considered more accurate. It's going to give us a more accurate, more definitive, yes, we have a hypothyroid patient. And these levels are also going to be below, no- below normal
0: yeah. I feel like these are the ones, cause we use, um, we use IDEX typically mm-hmm. um, for most of our send out stuff. Um, so if we have like, if, you know, we're doing like a health check plus or a senior screen or something that has the T4 um, and it's low, a lot of times we will do the add-on free T4 by ED just to see, you know, is this truly low because of disease or is it true? Is it low because of concurrent illness? Mm -hmm. Um, Because especially for us, I feel like it's usually there's some concurrent illness going on.
1: (laughs) I don't remember the last time I've had just a like hypothyroid patient.
0: We had one um, that came to us, which was really weird because the, the patient had so many of those classic symptoms that we talked about kind of earlier, but the, um, I think the PDVM just didn't believe that it was just hypothyroid. Mm. They were like, Oh, this must be, you know, a, a a youth thyroid sick syndrome, because look at all this other stuff that's going on. And we got the patient and we were like, this is classic for hypothyroid. And we tested and yes, the T4 was low, but we also did the, the free EDT, or mm-hmm. free T4E. Um, and that was also super low. And so we treated for the hypothyroid and, and the dog got amazingly better. Like he had skin infections and a rat tail and just like pot bellied and like all that. So they, they just assumed that there was like a bigger problem going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we were like, nope, it's just yeah. really bad hypothyroid.
1: <laughs> we test for thyroid. I wouldn't say like overly frequently just because Usually they're referring veterinarian does, but we'll test for yeah. it once, especially like a lot of the times when we're testing for it, we're, we've treated for something else like Cushing's and that's resolved. And now we're testing for thyroid.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or it's like a long-term patient of ours that mm-hmm. they, they almost start treating us like their GP.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like,
0: you're like, yes, I know. I treat your IMHA. But we don't do any of the GP stuff. So. Yeah. They're
1: like, can <laughs> you add a heartworm test to that? And I'm like, no, I'm like, no, no, I can't.
0: No. I mean, I can, but we, we don't like to.
1: Yeah. you should. Yes. Please go back to your regular vet for that.
0: Yeah. Cause we don't want to steal regular vet patients. We don't. We don't. No. <laughs> so. I love when they ask us if we even have vaccines and I'm like, I don't oh, have yeah. vaccines in my building. <laughs> like,
1: we I don't have, have most antibiotics in my building. <laughs> like, <I'm> just... <laughs> right. Like you need cephalosporins? What?
0: Well, we, we have that. we have that because we have derm in our building and we have emergency. Yeah, so we do have it, but yeah, no, we we usually don't touch that stuff. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like not it. <laughs> what was the one thing doc, my doctor and I were talking about? And I was like, oh, we were talking about Depo Medrol injections because like a Whoa. client came over for something, and it had just gotten Depo five days before. And we're like, well, there goes all of our testing that we can't do now. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh my gosh. And he's Basically. like, how do you even dose Depomedrol? I was like, I don't know. I've been out of GP for eight years now that I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't remember how to use it. I just remember it was used for skin a lot. Like
0: uh huh. we actually had a patient that had gotten a Depomedrol injection at their primary vet, but we didn't see it because, you know, trying to read Dr. Chicken Scratch sometimes that comes over to us. Um, and we had tested, I don't even remember what we tested for. We were like, addicts, yeah. yeah. And um, we were like, Oh, you know, the results are weird. And then and then in conversation, she was like, Oh, yeah, she's due for her, you know, depot shot <laughs> for the skin. And we went, wait, what? <laughs> like, due for it. When did they have it? And so it was a bummer because we had to like do the washout period and mm-hmm.
1: then retest, retest and, and they're like
0: super itchy because they they're obviously don't have this depo in their system and yeah yeah
1: anyway um, TSH. um yeah for these <laughs> patients we're also going to test our tsh levels which is our thyroid stimulating hormone and these levels are typically elevated with our hypothyroid patients so again their thyroid stimulating hormone should be high because it's trying to stimulate the <laughs> yeah. thyroid to do things
0: Yay, negative the, feedback loop. Yes, but the
1: thyroid level is like, nah, I'm good. <laughs>
0: like oh my what God. What's stimulating hormone?
1: I'm good. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. The TSH just keeps knocking on the door and the thyroid's like, nah, <laughs> like just laying on the couch. Like
0: it's like your best friend inviting you to a party and you're like, nah, I'm
1: good. I'm just gonna yeah. to hang out with my dog and cat. <laughs> it might show up later. We'll see. <laughs> All right.
0: I might still be in my pajama pants. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh and t3 so we talked about t3 last episode
1: Mm -hmm. Um, how we don't really test for it in cats and i mean it is of little value in dogs i feel like we test for it more in dogs but it's it's the results are so highly variable that it's just thought of that this test is really of little value
0: Yeah. And we talked about it last week because this is kind of like the inactive form of T4, right? So T3 floats around and then the body converts it to T4 kind of as needed. So it is, it is kind of one of, it's like the, the friend that nobody, they're like, Ooh, that guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We acknowledge he's there, but don't talk about him. (laughs) Don't invite him out to parties. Right. (laughs)
0: Um, so kind of when we're testing for hypothyroidism, we really like all of our internal medicine diseases, uh, we need to rule out other concurrent Preach. diseases, right? So again, full chemistries, we're not just doing like a T4 and that's it. Um, you know, depending on what's going on, do they need an ultrasound? Again, it depends like what, whether there's things are going on, um, chest x-rays again completely depends like are they having a lot of panting do they have cardiac arrhythmias you know so it just really depends on what symptoms are exhibiting to figure out you know is this truly thyroid or is it the other stuff which is the primary Mm -hmm. (laughs) right thyroid being causing this stuff or this stuff causing low thyroid um so i guess it this is really it is difficult. Um, because if we find that underlying disease, you know, do we wait until that stuff is resolved and hopefully we can get it resolved? Or do we say, Oh, we're really suspicious. It's because of the thyroid. And maybe we try supplementing with thyroid medication to see if things get better quicker. So it's, it is a fine balance, and sometimes that's difficult, and and sometimes that's where internal medicine specialists come in.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a lot of times too, like if underlying disease is found, like Cushing's disease or something, we'll put off thyroid testing until yeah. the other disease process is well controlled. Yeah, um, especially like if we have a DK or something, like we're gonna focus <laughs> on like the more severe thing first, and yeah. also try not to waste the client's money by testing thyroid, mm-hmm. even though we might suspect it and it might still come back low it'd be difficult to trust it and we'll probably want to retest later once the other concurrent disease is resolved. Yep. Um, Treatment for these patients is generally outpatient unless there is a severe concurrent disease like DK. Right. Um, Treat
0: treat that stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But Talking strictly hypothyroidism, this is treated with levothyroxine, and dosing adjustment might be needed. And it, it generally starts off pretty low, but the maximum dose can go up to zero point eight milligrams twice a day, maximum. For-
0: and and I will say that this sometimes will blow the mind of pharmacists because if they yeah. if you send them to a human pharmacy they like lose their mind about how much thy- level thyroxine these patients are on because in human medicine, they start off like 0. 0.025 milligrams. So 25 micrograms is where they start. And so when we're like, we're going to start on a hundred micrograms, right? Their, their minds just blow. They, they can't even handle it. Um, and so a lot of times you'll get like, especially if they're newer pharmacists that haven't dealt with a lot of like veterinary medicine, they'll push back and they're like, are you sure that's the right dose? You're like, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and I think levothyroxine is, is probably the most common one because there are different types of thyroid medication out there, but levothyroxine I believe is, is the manufactured one and it's the least expensive and it's, it's kind of the most straightforward. And the nice thing is, is it's pretty inexpensive drug. Like even cost, if you go to a human pharmacy, it's like 20, 30 bucks for a month's worth. Um, so out of all the endocrine diseases, it's also the cheapest to treat. (laughs) So, um, you know, most, most clients don't push back really when we're talking about hypothyroid patients. Um, I don't know. I definitely don't know if if we did a lot of retesting and dose adjustments in GP. I feel like this is in in it, it again frequently overlooked. Long, yeah, I was gonna say it's been a long time since I've been in GP, but I feel like it doesn't happen as frequently as it probably should. Because mm-hmm. ideally, your T four level should be reevaluated four to eight weeks after start of start of medications or any dose changes to make sure that it's the right amount of, um, thyroid supplementation.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, then there's, there's two ways to test for your thyroid levels. So it's recommended to actually do like a, I would, I guess. I would, a trough? Yeah. But we normally, I mean, in GPA, I remember just doing mostly peak levels. So it's recommended to draw blood samples just before dosing, which would be your trough level. And then four to six hours post pill, which would be your peak level. And then once your levels. Hold
0: on. Let's Mm -hmm. just repeat that for the people in back. (laughs) They should be getting their thyroid checked four to six hours after. their medication. The medication. So when you're scheduling these appointments, it's really important to ask them, what time do they normally get their medications in the morning?
1: Mm -hmm. And if, if clients, I mean, and if you're going to do a trough level, same thing, like, well, please bring fluffy in just before you give the medication and we'll, we'll check the level that way. Um, And once levels are stable though, then it's just recommended checking like our peak levels total t four levels every six to 12 months. Yep. Um, you don't typically have to do the trough and peak. You can just do peak.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it's not a set it and forget it.
1: No, it shouldn't <laughs> be. Even though, again, it is a pretty benign disease. It, it's definitely not a set it and forget it. And because again, you want to make sure that you're not overstimulating that thyroid. You want to make sure that you're not going to cause weight loss. Um, or tachycardia <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> or heart thickening yeah, or yeah yeah all the things we talked about last week that could go wrong with hyperthyroidism <laughs> yep
0: um and the cool thing about it is when we're talking to clients right they should start seeing improvements in those um metabolic and bodily things right um once we've started therapy in about 4 to 6 weeks but they may start to see changes in as little as one to two weeks after we have started therapy, um, especially like their energy level and their interaction with the family. They may start seeing it pretty rapidly and be like, oh my Which gosh. Which makes
1: clients very, very, very happy. <laughs> yes. Because yep. a lot of times they'll be like, I didn't even know that they were lethargic. <laughs> right. And so like they were not lethargic anymore. They're like, I thought
0: he was just getting old. Oh my God. He's like a puppy again. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. As clients love it, especially when they can see those changes, like those noticeable changes. The positive As, changes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, skin problems though might take several months to fully resolve. And that can be a little disappointing for clients, especially if your dog has a rat tail. But again, we gotta go through the whole shed <laughs> shed and regrowth cycle. Yeah. Um, well, and once- if
0: they have bad skin infections or something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, we're gonna treat for um, helping with the base of <laughs> foundation, but you still have to treat the infections and
1: all the other changes that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And then, I mean, clients should be aware though, that like, just, they should see improvements pretty rapidly, but mm-hmm. some things may take a while to see changes in, but with therapy, like a normal quality of life is really expected for these patients.
0: Yeah. Yep which is great. Yay. We love that. We love when it's an easier
1: fix. (laughs) It is definitely an easier fix. Um, Cautions though, to kind of take into account, aside from the fact that we're trying to let you guys know that it is a pretty benign disease, but it can still definitely have its ailments long-term. Um, but there are several non-medical factors that can also affect our total T4 levels, such as fasting. So if you have an anorexic patient that can affect our T4 levels, um, age again, some dogs really do just get older and it is known that older dogs do tend to have a Lesser functioning thyroid, but not necessarily hypothyroid disease. Mm. Um, Just because again, as they get older, they get slower. Their body doesn't need to do as much work as a four-year-old ambient temperatures outside. So a dog being left in a hot car for a wait period, especially with COVID right now, we're doing a lot of curbside. Dogs are in the car, even though the car is probably on. If it's still hot and they're panting and they're anxious, that can definitely affect our total T4 levels, and even stress. So, if we have an overly stressed patient who does need to come in and have our thyroid levels checked, or it's just one of the ruleouts on the list, we want to find a way to try to get them to relax a little to try to get the best possible results.
0: And this is why sometimes it's a pain in the butt to try to figure out if they're hypothyroid or not.
1: (laughs) I know, right? Especially when you keep getting borderline numbers and you're like, or they're not like ridiculously symptomatic, but they do have a low thyroid. You're like, well, what is it? (laughs) Right, exactly. So it's just a a reminder to kind of take in those other outside factors that aren't necessarily medical related. Yeah.
0: It's the tip of the week.
1: All right. So tip of the week this week is to remember to discuss current medication therapies with clients since certain medications are capable of hindering our thyroid testing. It's easy to kind of skim over and be like, yeah, we get Benadryl once a day or something like that. But really get a good sense of like, okay, well, were they on any medications last week or last month, or do they take NSAIDs as needed? It might not be a daily thing, but try to just get a good thorough medical history. Or did they get a depot injection last week like somewhere else? Because um, <laughs> yeah. this can, again, hinder our, th- our thyroid testing, as well as additional testing, like we've talked about, if we're trying to rule out or rule in other concurrent diseases.
0: And now for the question of the week.
1: Our question this week is, uh, have you
0: guys ever seen a hypothyroid cat that was not because we were over supplement? I mean, I feel like that's cheating. Like if you're like, yeah, we gave it too much methamazole, but a a true hypothyroid cat. Um, and if so, you know, what, what was the deal? What happened? Tell us what, what happened? How did, how did they do? Um, Cause you know, I think I've maybe seen one.
1: I've seen one, yeah, but I don't really remember the case. Like at all. I just all.
0: remember being like, whoa, it's a cat.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably <sighs> about where I left mine at too. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, anyway, hit us up on Facebook or the internal medicine for vet website or internal medicine for vet techs membership or you can just email us it's it is There's very so many easy ways to get, get a hold of us
0: <laughs> we we are very get a holdable although uh yeah. i think i'm trying to catch up on some emails because woo, i didn't notice that there was something that i needed to catch up on
1: that's all right <sighs> we we've all had busy weeks you're trying to build your she sh- shed she shed she shed. yeah
0: i uh, i you know i'm it's cute because uh Tanya just sent me like a picture of, uh, a, like wooden plaque that she found that said she shed.
1: And she was like, Oh, it. this
0: is, and I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm actually, so I'm jokingly, but maybe not so jokingly leaning towards making a plaque that says internal medicine for vet tech's headquarters.
1: Well, then when am I ever going to come to the headquarters? <laughs> this will give you a reason to come to the headquarters (laughs) (laughs) you made a plaque i must come (laughs) exactly (laughs) uh
0: yep and then we'll get like a second one for you that says like internal medicine for vet techs um east coast location or something (laughs) (laughs) like outpost (laughs) Oh yeah. I can't wait until it's done. Unfortunately this weekend, um, Jordan and I are recording early because I am about to leave. Um, my husband and I, we planned this trip a little while ago. Uh, Um,
1: unfortunately, but it sounds pretty cool other than the snow.
0: I, yeah, unfortunately, because we may get snowed in, uh, we're leaving to go to Yosemite, which is really cool. I haven't been there in forever. And I think my husband went once when he was a kid, but, uh, yeah. We're getting ready to leave. And the unfortunate part is snow. So I had to get snow cables. So all my, my, all our
1: <laughs> friends <laughs>
0: in Canada, i.e. Um, Matt don't make fun of me when I'm like, I got to maybe driving some snow. Like I had to buy clothes. It was just a whole thing. Um, and unfortunately it also means I can't work on the she shack this weekend because I have four walls and that's it so
1: far <laughs> it's funny that you went through all that and then like it got cold here for like three days and there was frost one morning on the roofs and my oh. kids were like blown away they're like oh my god you can see your breath and like <laughs> it's chilly like there
0: was a 20 degree difference between yesterday and today here that and sounds then, like about how it was for yeah us too. and it's gonna be the same up there it's gonna be it's gonna be cold I'm
1: yeah my kids sure how were blown away happened. by like a little bit of frost and the fact that you could see your breath
0: line. <laughs> yeah we don't have that here yet i mean it's it's colder
1: but it's not cold I mean, matt's just ash- laughing at us as he deals with his like a negative 60 degree temperatures. Know, right?
0: <laughs> he's like whatever it's fine yeah. i i hike uphill in the snow both ways <laughs> yeah <laughs> We love you, Matt. (laughs) Matt is our Canadian mascot. (laughs) He is. There we go. Uh, Which I'm sure he'd be very excited to hear us say that.
1: (laughs) For sure. For sure. Uh,
0: Well, we hope you guys have a wonderful week. Um, Make sure to get your learn on. And uh, is there anything else we need to touch on in November? (laughs) I don't think so, Uh. right?
1: No, I'm sure we'll come up with something
0: though. (laughs) Right. All right, guys, we'll have a good week. We will um, talk to you next week and uh, keep getting your learn on. All right, guys.
1: Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettex.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.